On today's show, the Dallas Mavericks won game six to force. Game seven! How did the Mavericks backcourt outplay the Suns backcourt? We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about what game seven means for the Mavericks. How different is this Mavericks team in this game seven than last year's game seven? Talk about all that and more on today's Locked On Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. Don't believe you shouldn't be here. Let it ride. Let it ride. Day two. Day two. Tied 3-3 with the Suns. Let's go. Let's go. You're locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Mavs your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including and especially YouTube, where the best way you can help us grow the show is to comment below. Comment below your prediction for Game 7, what you think is going to happen, all that. Joining me, as always, my co-host contributor at Mavs.com. The stream Sultan, the one more thinking. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? What up? It's been good. I just got back from a Rangers game. Hey. First game in the new ballpark. Go listen to... Hey, today's your first listen is Locked On Mavs. You know what your second listen could be? Locked Ooh. On Rangers. Yeah, with our boy Bryce. Go listen, go listen to Locked On Rangers as, they, um, as Bryce sulks in his misery because they lost. <laughs> but it was a great experience. If you live in Dallas, get out to a Rangers game. Really family-friendly place. Super chill. Just make sure you empty your savings account to be able to afford everything. Um, <laughs> you know, just everything uh, that it costs. But well, you left yeah. in a jersey and a hat and probably like <laughs> a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, you know, candy. You know, anything you buy is like twelve dollars. But also, yeah, I was on Mavs uh, Twitch stream today. I've been doing that a lot on Fridays with Mavs.com, and I gave a hot take a little bit about seafood. And I the, said that the people were not having it. Including Bob Volgaris, who, who uh, <laughs> chimed in on Twitter about my seafood take that I needed some more omega threes and uh, same. You do, so. you do. We could all use some more omega threes, including Isaac. All right, on today's show, we're gonna get into our final thoughts from Game Six and just an incredible game that the Mavericks won to force this Game Seven. And then we'll look ahead a little bit to Game Seven. We will do a Game Seven like preview episode for tomorrow morning. Now the so that you guys will have an episode today and tomorrow for Saturday and Sunday. So make sure you look out for that. But the backcourts in this series so far have been just been fascinating to me because you go into this and you think, okay, Luca's the best player in the series. And then the next two are obviously, glaringly obviously, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, right? I don't think anyone refuted that. I was thinking Boban, but anyway, <laughs> keep on. Three stars. I still have my Boba. Boba. Yeah. I still have it. Um, glaringly obvious that it was Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and that you know DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges and Jalen Brunson were somehow the next three, and that Jalen Brunson for the Mavericks to win this series, they'd have to do a lot of things right, but that Jalen Brunson would have to assert his way up the ladder and to get to 
Can he get to the you know the fifth best player in this series? Can he get to the sixth best? So it's like Luca, three sons, and then Brunson, right? Can he get to that point where he is better than Bridges? He's more impactful than Ayton. And you start to look at some of these like stats through six games. Ready for this? Ready. Chris Paul and Booker, 237 points, 66 assists, and 45 turnovers. Mm. So good numbers. Luca and Brunson, 300 points. 63 assists and only 37 turnovers. So they're they have you know what uh, 50 more points <laughs> or four, 60 more points basically, um, just about the same number of assists and less turnovers, like eight less turnovers than them combined. These backcourts have played not even. Luca has been better and Brunson has been just good enough that it makes it that the Mavericks are dominating the backcourt matchups in this series so far. Did you use that basketball reference for that? Did you know how to? I have used it in the past. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it, it's we went into this series basically saying I was trying to pull up um, the I was wanting to pull up Jalen Brunson versus Chris Paul because wasn't wasn't it on our crossover that I said I you know I, I asked Brandon Clean I was like what's the odds it was it was super late in that that first crossover I did I said what's the odds that Jalen Brunson outplays Chris Paul in the series. And I think we both we all kind of like laughed about it and Brendan Clay was like at you. I probably <laughs> laughed right in your face because Chris Paul was just coming off that Pelican series and this season that he's had where he's just been incredible. Dang, I can't I'm not as well versed in stat. I was trying to pull up super quick, but oh well. I just wanted to see what's what's just, the difference in their in their numbers there. Um, this series, because obviously Chris Paul had a great start to the series, but these last three, last four games for him, he's looked older and he hasn't, he hasn't put up the greatest, you know, greatest of games. Obviously Brunson struggled a little bit in Phoenix, but the fact that they're at least close or in the same like realm of a category, this series is huge for Dallas. And I mean, that's why it's a game seven for the most part. When you look at Chris Paul's stats over the, the last four games, by the way, Dallas Mavericks over the last four games against the Suns are three and one. So if you just want to go off of recency bias, the Mavericks Mavericks are trending in the right direction. Last four games for Chris Paul, 9.3 points a game. He's taken just seven shots a game. Seven shots a game. Like, that's James Harden mm. in an elimination game level stuff. Six assists, still fine. But 4.5 turnovers, that's not Chris Paul-like. Just one yeah. steal. And he's a minus 4.5 in the plus minus on average. Like, those are just pedestrian stats. And he's shooting 50% from the field. He's shooting 54% from three, 100% from the free throw line. He's just not taking a ton of shots because the Mavericks have been playing good enough. He's been turning the ball over a lot and not getting a ton of opportunities. And he's just been bad, right? And I, the hand may be bothering him. There was the the turnover where Frank Nilakina was guarding him um, on, like, the left wing. And then the, he goes out of bounds on the left sideline, and, and Frank Nilakina forces him out of bounds. He still has the ball. The ball goes out, and it goes in the Mavs' favor. He's, like, holding his hand, and he, like, misdribbled the ball. It's just not something Chris Paul normally does. So something seems to be up with him. And then, obviously, that play where Jay Crowder threw, you know, Frank Nilakina into Chris Paul, and then he was hurting his hand coming up, too. Um, Chris Paul has not been good, especially not been good in the Mavs' wins. And, uh, and he wasn't even that great in the, the Suns win in Game 5. So that's yeah. a huge thing for, for this Suns team going into Game 7. But it's the reason why the Mavericks are here, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just I was looking at Brunson and, and Chris's stats here. You know, Brunson's averaging uh, 18 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. Um, you know, basically in the series, we just do those three 
counting stats there, 14, 4, and 6 for Chris. And it's like, I mean, dang, I mean, it's not very far off there. You know, when it gets into the shooting numbers, there's I think there's a there's a, a handful of things that you could look at it from a Mavericks perspective and say, holy crap, how are we at seven games? Like the fact that Brunson's shooting 18% from three in the series <laughs> and Luka Doncic is shooting 29% from three in the series, like Luka and JB are shooting under 30% from three of this entire series and we're out of game seven. I think you could say so many sentences like that. Spencer Dinwiddie has been a no-show up until this last game. And they've made it to a game seven. Their like, starting center has been mostly a negative. <laughs> exactly. It's like they've lost the rebounding battle a lot of these games <laughs> and they made it to a game seven. Like there's so many of those sentences that you could say this has happened and they've still made it to a game seven. That is pretty remarkable. It is pretty remarkable to look at it. It's it's wild to see. But I just look just looking at these backcourts, I think that it's insane that the Mavericks have um, have the Mavericks backcourt has outplayed the Suns backcourt this thoroughly, right? And that was going to be kind of that. That's that's been the series, like that's the recipe for the Mavericks because Brunson outplayed Donovan Mitchell in, in round one, and that was the, the recipe for the Mavericks, especially with Luca missing three games. And now, like Luca and Brunson have to outplay Chris Paul and Booker collectively, and just by counting stats and overall, just you know how they've played and the expectations for each team. The Mavs backcourt has outplayed the Suns backcourt, and that's been a huge, huge factor in this. But coming up, there's a, another defensive assignment that we saw that got flipped. The one big adjustment that we saw Jason Kidd make in Game 6 was flipping Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith. Why was that such a big difference for them? And uh, will he stay with that in Game 7? We'll talk about that more coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Built Bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. We got new Built Bars delivered to our house yes, today. Yes, we did, baby. Shout out to Built Bar, an incredible company that sent us the birthday cake puffs. I got to eat one today. It's covered in white chocolate. Delicious. 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, 9 grams of sugar. A candy bar with sprinkles on it, marshmallow fluff in the middle, and covered in white chocolate. Like... Nine grams of sugar? That's insane if you think about it. And it was really, really good. I didn't like the first like birthday cake bar that they sent us, but I did like this one. I like the puffs. It's an incredible bar. If you want something sweet really quick, you want something that's not going to weigh you down too much. It's not going to uh, bog you down in too much sugar, give you a sugar high and all that. It's not going to be gritty on your teeth and you're like, oh, I feel like I didn't. I'm, I'm old now. I can't eat this like sugary stuff or else my teeth will feel terrible, right? That's not what Built Bars do. Check them out. Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your entire order. It's Built.com. All right, Isaac Harris. Can I mention one more thing real quick before we transition? Always. Wait, wait, wait. One, do the, say, the, say the thing. One more thing. I I was actually texting you saying I had one more thing, but the ad break ended too, too soon. <laughs> It's only one, a minute. It's only a minute. <laughs> one other one other matchup that I didn't think I don't think a lot of people thought that it would go this way. Dorian Finney Smith has outplayed Mikel Bridges. Yeah. And, wow. And I think that's a matchup that I think a lot of people, even Mavs fans, was probably unsure about going into the series. And when you look at even like their three point percentage, Mikel shooting 33% from three, Dorian Finney Smith's at like 45, I think, from, from the series. He's averaging more points than him. I would say that Dorian, I mean, you could probably say Dorian's had a better, you know, defensive impact on the sure. series. For sure. Uh, you know, on Booker, Chris Paul, and these guys. It, it's not like a by wide margin, no. but the, fa- but the fact that I think he's outplayed Mikel a little bit and that they're like right there together is massive. And I mean, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to point that out. 
Yeah, because we were saying that Bridges was one of the top like six players in this series. And so if, if Dorian is outplaying them, then all of a sudden you start doing the draft where you're like, okay, which players would you want in a seven-game series? If Dorian inserts himself in there too, then the Mavs have three guys, at least three guys that are in that conversation, which is massive for the Mavericks, and it's the reason why they've, they've won these games. And Dorian was like a non-factor in game six too. Like, yeah. We still could have a Dorian game, and we'll talk about game seven from last year where Dorian was one of the few players that actually stepped up in that game seven against the Clippers. And so it's a do or die game seven game again for them. Will Dorian continue to do the same thing? He's just been such a big factor. Sam Vecini had a great tweet during the game the other night. He said, you know, Sam Vecini athletic. He said, Dallas has a bunch of role players that you win with Dorian Finney Smith, Jalen Brunson, Maxi Bullock. They're all either killer two way players or killer decision makers. They might still need a legit number two guy to win a title, but these dudes are awesome and deserve so much credit. Huh. Who has been saying Aside. that for like three years at this point? <laughs> I mean, have y'all been subscribed? Subscribe I mean, below. <laughs> honestly, if you're part of the Raccoon Squad, that means you listen five days a week, and then most of you guys have been listening for a long time. You know that like we've been very, we've been very close to the vest on Dorian and Maxi and Jalen Brunson, you know, more or less. But like those two guys specifically. Like the Mavericks, and then when Reggie Bullock came in, we were really high on that signing, and like this is yeah. huge for the Mavericks. This is a really, really big deal. That's why you know the the whole like I've been playing this all season. I have to apologize that you felt that he should have played more because those three guys are just so important for the Mavericks, and to have those role players, like you can't just go trade that for potential young talent. That's just somebody that you're like, oh, okay, maybe they can become like a good shooter on this team, but yeah. You just don't do that, and so that's and, why. And been- we talked, we talked with Jalen Brunson at media day. That <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I could, done that in like two weeks. I so couldn't do it. I, I haven't done it in finish. two weeks. <laughs> if he wins Finals MVP, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have your Dennis Top Shot? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, but the, the adjustment that Jason Kidd made in Game Six was switching Bullock and Dorian Vinny Smith. Bullock had been guarding Chris Paul for the first five games, and he'd been picking him up full court, and he's been trying to make it hard for him. And then Dorian was on Booker, and Book, and he got that assignment. And I think through five games, Chris Paul and, and Booker kind of figured those guys out in a way, right? Like there's those, there's there's tendencies on offense. Like when guys study film, they study, okay, does this guy go to his left hand more? Does this guy pull up here? Does he, what does he try to do with his hesitation? Like, where does he tend to, to drive more? Like, where's the spray chart of his, like, you know, shots. And I think offensive guys kind of do the same thing with defensive guys. I don't know if they watch film that intensely necessarily, but they'll get a feel for them through a couple of games and know, okay, this guy's going to try to force me this way or that way. I just got a built bar right on, right on camera. Um, I'm not going to eat it. That's way. unprofessional if I eat. His length is this. This is my, this is his timing on this. I can get him off of his off of his shot or off of his pivot foot if I do this. Blah blah blah. And then Jason Kidd switching those two guys. The fact that Bullock and Dorian are that you know uh, versatile versatile enough to go switch and okay, you guard Chris Paul now and you guard Devin Booker now changed it up enough that I think that it helped because Chris Paul and Devin Booker weren't so used to and so comfortable with the defensive tendencies of Bullock or Dorian Finney Smith. And even add Frank in there. Exactly. Frank. Now now you have, I wouldn't say Frank's at the same level as Adora and Reggie, but you have another capable defender. And, you know, I, I think I, we were talking about this on, on the Mavs.com Twitch stream, you know, today. And I think Kat brought it up of, you know, Donovan, Garden Donovan Mitchell, he's a little bit more like chaotic and just like super athletic, go do your thing to where, you know, Josh Green, 
you know, was playing a little bit more in that series, but she was talking about how Devin Booker is more methodical and he's more, has more craft to his game and all that to where a guy like Frank, it, he excels a little bit more playing against a Devin Booker. And the fact that you have these three guys now, now a third guy in that, that you're like rotating this. And when we just watched, we're going to talk more about that game seven from last year in the Clippers, but it's like last year we had Dorian and it's like, all right, Tim, the traffic cone, Tim, is you know having to be the second second you know, perimeter defender on that, and now we have you know two and a half three guys and Frank if you want to count him as the third there. That oh, can do you remember to. Josh Richardson? <laughs> I know I don't I don't <laughs> try not to. He didn't play um, a ton in that last game, I don't think. But I thought that defensive adjustment was was really big. I'm really curious to see if he keeps it in Game Seven if they go back to it. I think they will keep it. It seemed to work out for them pretty well. Um, but yeah, I want to see what the Suns adjustment is too. I mean, they're going to have an Suns do have. make adjustments and I want to see what their adjustment is to the, to the Booker you know, kind of blitz a little bit because that was, that was not just putting Reggie on Booker. They blitzed Booker early. They brought the double. Sometimes they brought the complete trap, hard double on yeah. Booker. What's going to be the Suns answer to that. And they had this set that they were running a lot whenever they could. They were, they were going at Lucas man early, which was Mikel Bridges and just bringing Mikel up, doing this split, you know, kind of slip screen a little bit to where they get Mikel the ball there at the top of the key. And Mikel was, is a, a decent playmaker too, to where they had a couple possessions there where he, it would, he would hit Mikel, then he would hit Aiton for, you know, a layup or whatever. So I want to see if Phoenix wants to try to do that a little bit more. What's going to be their adjustment to the, to the blitz trap? That's, I'm really curious on it. Yeah. Do they try to get a lot of their offense that was working? They got, into it, into it quicker. They moved the ball quicker. They caught the Mavericks off, off, you know, their mark. And so the Mavericks, like Luca kicked. How many times did Luca kick the ball in Game Six? Like it was a kick yeah. ball or something. The Mavericks got to set their defense, and then it's much easier for the Mavericks to stay in front of the, the Suns and continue to do the defensive principles that they want to do if they're able to get set. And so that works after you know made shots. It works after you know not turnovers <laughs> in, in possessions, just like yeah. you know missed shots that maybe go out far. And so. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch as well, and uh, and to see which defensive assignments. Uh, that's one big thing to to, to look at. But uh, all right, coming up, let's just go into that that game seven of the Clippers game because there's a couple of things that I think we can take from that, and a couple of things we can look forward to to this game seven. I want to I want to just get to it. So coming up, we'll get into that. But before we do, let me tell you about Bet Online. It's the best place to check out the lines and odds and money lines and spreads in sports. Let's check out see if they have that game seven yet. Let's see if they have the game seven. This website is so ready for basketball. Mm. <sighs> okay, game seven in Phoenix. According to Bet Online, which team is favored and by how many points, Isaac Harris? Suns are favored by seven and a half. Six. Okay. Six point favor for the Suns. I'm this not has- too bad at this. I don't even bet. I feel like no, I'm like you've been one killing, or two you've been killing guess the lines. It's been. It's been back and forth games, but they've been not by like two points. <laughs> you know, they've been yeah. like these games have been won by a lot of points. So that really doesn't surprise me. But go check it out. If you feel really confident about Mavs in seven, go put some money down on Bet Online. Go check out everything else available. They have NBA draft stuff, they have college stuff that you can check out, they have uh, WNBA odds as well that you can check out. Everything available. That's my dog downstairs. Check out Bet Online, check out the website, the mobile device. Everything bet online. It's where the game starts. (laughs) 
<laughs> what do I even do? I'm eating a built bar and Nick just left. So let's talk about this series a little bit more. Um, actually, let's do a flashback. Let's do a flashback to the game seven Clippers Mavs. We did talk about this on, on the Twitch stream uh, on the Mavs today, but game seven last year, it's Clippers Mavs. And we have this to, to compare the difference between this Mavs team and last year. It's it's lit- literally night and day, okay? Because um, let's just look at the box score. Let's look at the minute distribution. I've, I've retrieved my dog now. He was screaming downstairs, and now I have now I have retrieved it. I was trying this new built bar for the first time, and honestly, <laughs> so it's I pretty, left the room and you were eating a built bar. Professional podcasters, Nick Angstead and Isaac Harris. <laughs> is this a basement pod? This Clippers team, is, well, this Mavs team is so different, right? Like, listen, <laughs> yeah. l- listen to the players that played minutes in this game seven. I literally just said this. <laughs> Luka Doncic, 44 minutes. Kristaps Porzingis, 42 minutes. Tim Hardaway, 42 minutes. Boban, 31 minutes. Those are three of your starters right there. They're not playing a lick in this game. They're gone. To, yeah, on they're out. Sunday. Dorian Finney-Smith played 39 minutes. And then let's look at this bench unit here. The stout bench. Jalen Brunson played 10 minutes. Took three shots. Was a minus 11. Maxi played nine minutes. Was That's, a minus 12. Maxi was dealing with injury last year too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. D- Dwight Powell played five minutes. I mean, these three, I mean, Dwight and Jalen Brunson are starters now, and they played a combined 15 minutes in game seven <laughs> last year. Maxi's a key, key guy off the bench, played nine minutes. And then the only other two guys on the team that played was Trey Burke played seven minutes. Josh Richardson played six minutes. I mean, it's and to say this team is completely different would be an understatement. It's only really Luca and Dorian that are the same. Yeah. Like you can't look at this team and say that anything is really like the same as last year. It's a completely different team. But then that also means that the experience the Mavericks got in a game seven last year, Luca and Dorian were the only two guys to really even step up in this. Luca had 46 points, 14 rebounds, huge game for him. He hit five of his 11 threes. Dorian, 18 points, 10 boards, six offensive rebounds, Isaac, because. He is really good at rebounding on the offensive side of the ball. He hit four threes as well, and uh, he was a positive one. He was the only player on the Mavericks team with a positive plus minus. So in the minutes that Dorian played, the Mavericks were winning in game seven, and they ended up losing by 15. So it's just these teams are so different. And now the Mavericks, this Mavericks team has much more clear identity than they did last year. They yeah. have way more wing defenders and options. Like it, it listening to that list, it's literally only Dorian and like Josh Richardson should have been that other option, but he was just registered not playable by the end of this series. He played six minutes in this game. Maxi was only able to play 10, nine minutes in this game. Uh, and it was like Dorian and Tim Hardaway and then Luca kind of guarding these wings for the Clippers. And so you look at the Clippers side and like Paul George and Kawhi combined for 50. Marcus Morris had 23 and the Clippers had seven players in double in double figures. It's kind of hard for me to imagine seven players for the for the Suns in double figures in this game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't imagine that happening. I mean, unless they just start taking a ton of threes, because if they start taking a ton of threes, they have guys that can hit the three. You know, Cam Johnson, I think, shot 42% from three this season. So if they get him, you know, if he shoots eight or nine threes in this game, he's going to be in double figures. Could we see Jay Crowder hit, you know, three threes in this game? Yeah, we could because he's been hitting them in this series. So they had four players in game five in double figures and they won that game. 
So it's like, <laughs> yeah, they have to have three, three more players contribute more. That means like Chris Paul and Biombo getting three more points. I mean, Slander Shaman hit another shot, you know, they, it's they, wild they, seeing the different style of this Mavs team too, because Porzingis played 42 minutes last year. Boban played 31 minutes. And these are two dudes over seven feet tall. And now Dallas, you know, their biggest man that they're playing is Dwight and he's playing eight minutes. And, <laughs> you know, then it's Maxi at 6'10 and he's like this switchable, you know, four or five a little bit. So it's just they've embraced a whole different style of game. I mean, Boban and Kristoff started together. These are two of the tallest dudes in the league. Like it seems like an eternity ago that this was that Mavs team. It's wild. That was such an anti like 2011 Mavs adjustment where they put JJ Red JJ JJ Reddick. They put JJ Berea in the starting lineup. Like instead, yeah. this that Mavericks team in 2021 put Boban in the starting lineup and it went super huge. Like think about how big that starting lineup was. By the way, like Tim Hardaway is six five. He's the shortest guy on the, on the starting lineup. Then it's Luca. Then it's Dorian. Porzingis yeah. and Boban. Like that is a huge starting five. Way, way bigger than the starting five the Mavericks have now. But this one is faster. This one is more mobile. This one is more versatile for sure. Zubach played two minutes in that game. And this one can hit threes better, right? Bullock yeah. and Dorian and you know Maxi when he plays starters minutes and Brunson and Luca. Like those are all guys. They play five out all the time. This team was not playing five out all the time <laughs> in this game, especially with yeah. Boban playing 31 minutes. But one played 31 minutes in this game seven last year. And by the way, last year's game seven was in June. It was June 6th. I forget about that. And it, yeah, was, so also an, it was also an afternoon game, but this one's at night now. We also should have led with this now that we're 25 minutes in, into the pod. But with Boston you know, winning game six and forcing a game seven, the game seven start time for Dallas is now set. So we that is now the second game on Sunday. I'm sure you've seen that by now, but yeah. that'll tip at seven seven p.m. Central Time on Sunday because that I mean, what two incredible series here, Bucks <laughs> Bucks two and Celtics in one day. Let's go. Yeah, two thirty. It's like just mark off your whole Sunday there for these back to back game sevens. Heck but, yes. But yeah, so I mean, a lot of you guys knew this. It was in flux that you know if. If you know Milwaukee closed out the series uh, yesterday, then Dallas would have had that two thirty game. But since they, you know, they didn't, Dallas gets moved back to seven. So, couple of go. keys, couple of keys in this game seven. I've been saying this all series, and it continues to be true. The Mavericks' defense has to be what wins them the game. They have to play really good defense in their wins in this series. The Sun, the Mavericks' defensive rating has been ninety nine to one hundred six. That's points scored per 100 possessions. They're basically keeping them to under 100 points or like around 100 points, basically. Mm. In the Mavericks' losses, the Mavericks' defensive rating has been between 115 and 141. Like, it just has to be in those two areas, 99 to 106 or 115 to 141, right? And so we can start tracking that after, like, first quarter, second quarter. I'll probably be tweeting it out and saying, hey, this is – this is trending in the right direction for the Mavericks. Their defense is taking over. This is a game the Mavericks can win. Um, those are are huge things. Their defense has to absolutely muck it up, like we've been saying. Another kind of key stat here, big differential, is turnovers, which is how they create some of this defense. In game six, turnovers were massive for the Mavericks. They were absolutely huge in, in helping the Mavericks get fast break points, but also just playing good defense. Turnover percentage for the Suns. In the Mavericks wins, 18 to 24%. The Suns were turning the ball over. In the Mavericks' losses, Phoenix's turnover rate was 10 to 15. So basically, if it's over, it's if it's over 16, then the Mavericks are are in a good spot and could win. If it's under 16, then the Mavericks are not in a good spot to win. 
Uh, so those are two stats that I just really want to focus on because the Mavericks defense and how they force turnovers could really affect this game. But game seven, somehow everything goes nuts and none of the stats that usually matter matter. And it just comes down to who can make shots. Yeah. Well, I mean, going with your defensive rating, look at some of these total points scored for Phoenix. Like those first two games in Phoenix, they, they scored over 120 points in both of those games. You look at those next games in Dallas, they scored 94 points, then they scored 101 <laughs> points. So, and then that next game in, in Phoenix for game five, Phoenix scores 110. And then the next game back in Dallas, they have their lowest scoring game, you know, to where they score, what was it? I mean, 94, 80 86, somewhere. 86. So, I mean, if you just want to say in this series, if they, if the Suns score beneath 101, the Mavericks have won. If they score over 101, Phoenix has won. So let's just put that on there just for the fun of it. If Phoenix scores under 101 points, let's nah, say I'll Dallas. Put like, I'll put it like 110. Okay. I'll sure. say under 110 or over 110. That's, that's my line of demarcation for that one. <laughs> um, Luca also has to be getting guys going from three early. Isaac's thing yeah. this whole series, which has been true, is guys have to like Dorian, Br- Luca, no, Dorian, Bullock, or Maxi have to like two of those three guys have to take 10 threes or close to 10 threes, like eight, eight to 12 threes. Basically they have to take, um, in the Mavericks wins five Mavericks have averaged 0.7, three pointers made or more. So like mm. basically, basically a three. So like five Mavericks are making a three in the first quarter in their wins In their losses. Only three Mavericks are making a three, uh, in the in just in the first quarter on average so i think that's a big thing too it's spreading it out it's getting more guys involved it's more shots being created and i think that's a big key going into this game seven yeah luca's only averaging a little over seven assists a game uh, i say only in this series but you know when you look at the regular season he averaged uh right around nine so you know about a assist assist and a half two assists somewhere through there you know less than what his regular season average is and it goes into a little bit of the game plan of phoenix saying hey like Get your points. We want to try to take away the other guys. Um, but man, if he can, if he can just can, I think the biggest thing is the biggest thing that I'll be the most frustrated with if we're watching, especially in the first quarter and we're seeing Luca settle for the, you know, first ever spin step back three. Didn't know if that was the first ever one. <laughs> was it the Have first Have you ever, ever seen Penny Hardaway, Nick? I've never watched Penny Hardaway in my entire <laughs> life. Um, but if we're watching him, you know, settle for these step back threes, especially <laughs> in the first quarter, instead of getting into the paint, getting to the paint, drive kick, I will be frustrated at that point. It's like, all right, we got to get into the paint. You got to drive the basketball, especially early. And sometimes game sevens, the game plan goes completely out the door and you're just like holding on for dear life. Who's going to bail you out? And guess who could bail him out? Luca, right? Like, yeah, I'm not as afraid of Devin Booker and Chris Paul as I am of Kawhi Leonard last year. Yeah. And th- yeah, this I could, is- be, I could be wrong about that. Devin Booker could go off for sure. He's been unguardable at times in this series, but Kawhi Leonard was a different animal last year. He just, he can get his shot at any point. It doesn't feel like Chris Paul and Devin Booker can get to that point as easily. I just want to see if they're both going to, I would rather see a duel between these two stars. I would rather see a, you know, Luca versus Booker and they're going at it. It's, you know, it's Tim Hardaway, Deion Waiters, rookie sophomore game style. <laughs> and, you know, they both have 40 That's the all time. You know, the they both have 40 type again. What I don't want to happen is the foul tr- fouls just like ruin this thing. Like, oh, because Scott Foster is going to be refing it and it's going to be. <laughs> well, we need Scott to, you know, start feeling better. You know, obviously he couldn't ref the other night, but I just, 
that I just don't want I don't <laughs> I don't want fouls to run this whole thing and just I I would rather them just let the guys play and that this is the biggest stage right I mean Booker was saying at post game saying hey I've you know best words in sports game seven I've never played in one before um, you know Luca obviously has but these two guys have played on big time stages he's played in the finals Luca's played in some insane stages overseas and even in the playoffs over the past few years so I mean. This is what these two dudes live for. So it would not shock me if both dudes come out and put up 40 in this game. I think it's going to come down to unless it's a an all-time performance by one of them and they get, you know, 46 to 50 and literally they just take it over late and it's like, "Hey, Booker or Luka just wins this thing." I think it's I think it's going to come down to those next guys. Brunson versus Chris Paul, Dorian Finney-Smith versus Mikel Bridges. You know, I, it's I think those guys will kind of determine what game the seven others. Like. Well, it's the role lost. players too. We we That's always have that conversation. Of role players play better at home. Could we get one game in which Dallas role players have a big time game on the road? We'll see. Game seven. We'll have a preview of it tomorrow, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Oh!